Welcome back to MVGA Podcast. Here at Make Veterans Great Again, our mission is to reach out to fellow brothers and sisters in arms to conquer our mental health together. Just a reminder, you are not in this alone. Today, I'd like to introduce Sergeant Walker. He's a United States Marine Corps veteran. Welcome to the show, bro. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon, my man. Oh, man. It's my pleasure. I'm glad uh, we were able to get this to work out and you get on the show. Yeah, you know? dude. It seemed like it was like up in the air for a second. Like we weren't going to be able to get the schedule to work. And I apologize for being so busy. My, don't uh, don't apologize. You for being to have me on, man. Yeah, of course. Don't apologize for being popular, man. You're going to be my claim to fame one day. I waited so long for this shit. Oh, my God, bro. I waited 20 years to be this popular, bro. And now it's like, fuck. I still can't uh, forget where I came from. I'm still the same person. I uh, will never stop making time for the people who matter. And a big reason why I do this is for the guys that come from where we come from. So when you reached out to me and asked me to be on, first thing I said to you, man, was I thought you'd never ask, bro. And I mean that. So thank you for having me. I thought that was just your comedy skit, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> no problem, man. I'm glad. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and we'll dive into your popularity in a little bit, but let's talk about what led you to join the military. Yeah, man. No problem, dude. Uh, I made the decision early. I, I, was, I joined very young. I was 17 years old when I enlisted. Um, I knew that I was going to join when I was 15. You could not enlist into the late entry program until you were 16, at least, and you needed both parents uh, consent to sign for those forms. <clears throat> but I knew really early, man, from the time that Sergeant Calhoun brought his pull-up bar to my high school, I was in Florida, and he had that challenge. So if you could do 20 pull-ups, you would get a Marine Corps T-shirt. Uh, if you didn't do 20 pull-ups, you would end up with a lanyard. So it was kind of a known thing around that time. If you saw somebody with a lanyard, you know they couldn't do 20 pull-ups. But if you saw somebody with a T-shirt, boy... It's a bad motherfucker. I remember him coming into that high school, man. I wanted a t-shirt so bad, dog. And uh, I did 18 pull-ups. Yeah, I did 18. And I ain't getting no t-shirt. And he, he, it's the way that he spoke to me, Josh. Like, every other recruiter would come to the school and be like, yo, you should join. We really, because you don't understand what it could do for your future. This is all the things that we could benefit from with you and your family. And the, the Marine, at least on Calhoun, say, motherfucker, we don't need you. You couldn't even hack it in the first place, bruh. And that pissed me off, dog. This is a little fire in my ass. I started training pull-ups every day. And uh, next time he came to the school, I knocked out my 20. And I didn't just knock out the 20. I got my t-shirt that one time. I made it a mental note every time. Because they come once a quarter or every so often and try to get these numbers up. Yeah. I made a mental note, bro. Every single time they come to my school, I'm going to knock out 20 and some more, bruh. I started taking all their t-shirts. And I just wear them shits. You ask anybody that went to high school with, with me, uh... I was kind of known for wearing a bunch of those shits. I was a really big Motar dog. I loved the idea of the Marines. I knew it wasn't going to be any other branch. I knew I was going to be in a combat job. Like I knew it, you know, it was just a matter of time. So uh, did you sign up to be a combat engineer or did you just get the luck? I wanted to be a grunt, bro. I wanted to be a grunt, but yeah, I did sign up to be a combat engineer. Uh, So I'm from Tampa, Florida, and... This Dylan you're speaking to now is like several different Dylans compared to this, the kid who joined. I was a bad kid, man. I was a street kid. So I was, I was getting into a lot of trouble. And it was like a ticking time bomb in regards to, you know, things were either going to, I either needed to get out of where I was at that time or I was going to, you know, end up in a very negative situation. The contracts for 0311s, all of the 03 MOSs didn't leave for 11 months after I graduated. And for me, 
Bro, I graduated a 2.3 GPA and I'm fucking proud of it, dog. Like, I barely, barely graduated, son. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I needed to get out of here ASAP. So I couldn't be a grunt. Um, but I asked for the next closest thing. They explained to me um, what a combat engineer was. It was either that or being a tanker. I chose a combat engineer. Good choice. Yeah, I actually wasn't supposed to leave for boot camp for like another eight months. Mm-hmm. And I was a combat engineer. And then my recruiter called me one day while I was working. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, working. He's like, quit. And then the guy uh, behind him was like, don't fucking tell him that yet. Don't tell him that. And then uh, I ended up leaving in like eight days instead of eight months. So, yeah. and I got the same job, combat engineer. That's fantastic, man. I didn't, I didn't understand the job description when... I signed up for it. I, I, I honestly thought we were just EOD. I thought that's all it really was. I had no idea that the amount of math that was going to be involved and the amount of knowledge that was going to be involved in the subject matters in which you were going to need to be an expert in. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm glad we got division side, though. Dude. Dude. So I just want to tell people all the time. I'm like, bro. I could build any expedient charge you need me to, dog. Like, I'm your lead sweeper, but I cannot hammer a nail. Like, I can't do that. I'm not the guy to hammer anything for you. I can't build anything. Anytime it's time to construct HESCO, build five. I'm not that guy, bro. I'm just not him. Yeah. I can't build a fucking square to save your life. Oh, no. No, I can't <laughs> drill. I can't drill a nail. You know, you know how bad you got to be to not be able to drill? Bro, stop. Stop. Yeah. Nah. Keep, well, keep, keep your rifle in hand. It, it makes sense why you picked up a mic afterwards, but... Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> We're not going to go in... Oh, oh, you're an engineer, so why don't you just go ahead and go be a good... Josh was not built for it, dog. No, 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 no. no. Absolutely I get it. Not. I get it. You're a pretty boy. I get it. I uh, ain't, man. <laughs> and I'm proud of it, dog. <laughs> hey, be proud of it, man. That's Ready? good. That's I, waited, good. I waited like four fucking years for somebody to really, from where we come from, to just say it. Say it for what it's worth. Dylan, you're a prima donna. You're boozy and it's fine yeah. now. Yeah. It's okay, man. It's all worked out for you. It's still get we're still getting there, man. We got a long way to go, brother. But thank you. You came from a long way, so don't forget that part too. Uh so what was your time like in the Marine Corps? Wow. That's a good question, man. Um I loved it. I loved my time in the Marine Corps. I think that when I look back on it, we were kind of so we joined we served during the same time. So right. I think you kind of understand where I'm coming from when I say like we kind of caught the last tail end of what I would call like the old Marine Corps. And our seniors come from, you know, multiple combat deployments. And when I got to the unit, they had just gotten back. So the training standard was super high. I mean, you know, there were hazing charges for field day, my first field day. I showed up on a Wednesday, and on Thursday, you know, we got hazing charges. Things like that. Like, the standard was just through the roof. The, uh, the camaraderie, everything was different. I think that it was hard at times being a black Marine and a, and a predominantly white Marine Corps, especially in a, in a predominantly white combat MOS, for sure. Um, you deal with a lot of racial undertones, you know, and you learn to just kind of roll with it. Um, For me personally, I used it as fuel. I wanted to be the best at everything. And I tried my best to do that. I think I got pushed into a lot very early. I wish that somebody would have kind of 
pull me to the side and be like, hey, you don't need to try to move so fast. I got pushed to the rank structure super early. I was really young. I was a fucking sergeant at 19. So it's like, like what, are we, <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here, man? Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's weird because like when you have guys underneath your charge that are 26, 27 years old and you're 20. How I'm now 26. It, I can now understand and sympathize where they were at in regards to having to deal with me being so young. And I didn't really have the patience that I have now to deal with certain situations. I was just balls to the wall. So if you fucked up, you're dealing with me in your face and I'm going to reprimand you the way my seniors taught to reprimand me, you know, and I'll be damned before some 20 year old kids start talking to me like that, Josh. You got me fucked up, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I tried my best to be the best Marine I could. Um, the, I didn't want to, I remember the way I was treated as a junior Marine. And so once I became, uh, in a senior billet, I tried to not forget that. And then I tried to treat my junior Marines while holding them to a standard, but also the way I would have liked to be treated. Right. For trying to find that happy medium. Bro, there was that, man. And that's why, like, things that we considered training when we got in quickly were deemed as hazing by the time we got out, you know? Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck is going on today. I mean, that shit is... I heard it's a lot about uh, the knowledge now, but, you know, I don't know that. I don't know for sure either. But you're also in Boot Camp Bravo, so you had to deal with Boot Camp standards your whole time. So That's the thing is every... every um. Everything that we did was to the upteenth echelon. You know, we were the best at it, or that was the mentality that they fought upon. What you guys thought. Which, I mean, it's also true, though. I mean, it's also also facts. Like, two plus two does make four. We can agree. We know this. Yeah, yeah. But Charlie was was the best in the company, man. (laughs) Man. um, And then when, when certain guys started to get pushed out and standards started to change, especially, like, uh, because of tattoo regulations... And they started to look for any small reason to push, you know, fully decorated combat veterans out. And then as we started to transition to a peacetime Marine Corps, when you see how the hot dogs are made, you might not necessarily want to eat them every day. You know, Uh, right. I wanted to stay. And when I joined, I I was hell bent on being a lifer dog. I was going to be 20 years. You ask anybody that served me, I was a fucking motard, dude. I just, I love it. Um, But I couldn't. I realized that I couldn't change the big machine and the way things work. And unfortunately that's who's running the show. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It sucks that like you can make one little mistake and all 20 years are gone. Like poof. Oh my gosh. And the most minor of mistakes too. And depending who you are, certain people can make more mistakes than others. Like I, my shit was, so you asked me what rank before we got on here. You asked me what rank I was, and I told you. Um, you asked me what rank I was when I got out, and the rank I was when I got out was uh, Lance Corporal. I achieved the rank of sergeant. You know, I got NJP. I got I tested positive for THC on a drug test, and so I ended up getting busted down to corporal. And when I got uh, when I got out on my ES, they they informed me that anybody who gets NJP now gets. Bust it down one more rank as you get out. So you get out of the lane. I'm like, come on, bro. It'd be like that. That's crazy. But it sounds like you had a good time in the Marine Corps, so. It was fun, dude. Deployed to um, nine different countries on one mule. You know what I mean? So it's like 
a lot of people don't get to leave their own state, you know, so to be able to right. go out and see the world. I wish that uh, I wish that I would have been able to do a bit more. To be right. honest with you, yeah, I wish I would have been able to do a bit more. I think I I battle that in my heart now, but overall, I loved it. Yeah, I uh, I think we have that same battle. Mm-hmm. Um, like you joined to do something and you didn't get to do it, but it wasn't our fault that we joined in the time we did. It's so hard to deal with it. And like, it's, it's a feeling that I don't think is ever going to go away, Josh. I don't think that late at night when, it, when we watch these, you know, these documentaries and watch the news and shit like that. And we're wondering, like I, in my heart of hearts know that I can still fight. Like I know that I can, I, I can still be, a, 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 a first class PFT or CFT or today here right now. And right. that's where it's tough. <clears throat> I was always trying to scratch this itch, man. I got out and I was like trying to figure out how could I still fight? And I was legitimately fighting. I was kickboxing and then that wasn't enough because I didn't have a fucking rifle in hand. So then I got into the security contract and I did private contracting for two years. And, you know, that didn't scratch the itch enough because, you know, I'm still stateside and I'm not you know overseas. So it's just... You're never gonna find the same is you're never gonna find the same feeling that you found that when you were in, you know. But um what you can do is take that feeling that you had and, you know, kind of remember it and don't try to replicate it, you know, appreciate that. Right. But I think I mean I could be completely wrong because I'm not in your field, right? But I think in your comedy field, you could find that brotherhood in a sense, and you guys can fucking joke about shit. Mm-hmm. that some veterans may not even be able to joke about you know uh, and there there may be some veteran things that you try to joke about and they they don't catch on but you almost get that brotherhood back again i feel that's just the outside looking in and i'm not no, saying you're right you hit the nail right on the head brother um that's the big thing that draw me that drew me into it was camaraderie i think that like okay so in the marine corps the percentage of people that end up joining is such a small percentage you end up this fraternity for life that it's the same thing in stand-up comedy. There's not many of us, and and, and those of whom that do this, there's not many really good ones. And like when you see the when you run into somebody else who's also a comedian, it's like, oh, you, you fucking get me. We can we can do the thing now. Now I can speak freely. Like the, the I call it the comedy cartel. Okay, man. I call it I call it the comedy cartel, man, because this is it is it is like a class of people that are just like this subspecies of human where where anything flies um and if you're not careful you'll get lost in it you know i'm neck deep in the cartel baby i love this shit right now and the camaraderie about it is a big thing that kind of helped save me i was in a dark place for a minute once i got out yeah i understand that i feel like i'm still digging myself out of that dark space I have a question for you though. What's your, what's your thought on this? I had, I did a part podcast with the Sergeant Satua and we were talking about like living in the barracks and walking outside and having your brothers there every day. And I came up with the concept that it's almost like group therapy daily, but you don't even realize it's group therapy because you guys are all just fucking like bullshit about the same shit. You guys can complain about the same shit. And now like you obviously have been separated from the Marine Corps version of it, but now you have your comedy version of it. So like, do you, does that make sense to you? Would you it agree? does and it doesn't because um, even on those same times, like, 
Okay, so if it's if it's a situation where uh, everybody's on the road together and we're all staying in the same you know hotel room or Airbnb or whatever, then yes, because we're kind of going through it. Uh, Comedy is a very individualistic field, so yeah, it's a very selfish field. You know, it's like high school, bro. Everybody is out for themselves, and it's hard to get them to work together. The Marine Corps is different. The Marine Corps is all about the unit. It's never about the individual Marine. You know, it's always been about the, the, the group as a whole. That ain't comedy. So, like, when you do find your few, your people who get you, your, your you know, your, your peers, your class, those people, yeah, you kind of have that feeling with, but, like, I can, I've never been able to find the same level of, of camaraderie that I had when I could just, when I was living in the barracks, bro. I, sometimes I look back on those times, like, was that shit really real? Like, yeah. oh God, man, living in San Clemente. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? to live in San Clemente. Bro, they, uh, they gave a 19-year-old kid a Pontiac GTO in San Clemente, California to have fun. I had fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Those, those are some good times, man. I love San Clemente. My wife fucking yeah. picks on me for that shit because yeah. she's from Cali, and she's like, oh, he said he claims he's from Cali. I was like, no, I've been there for four years, but I fucking Four fucking years. It. You can absolutely say you're from California, bro. And anybody who's got a problem with it, tell them to see me, man. Yeah, I don't even care if you have a problem with it or not. I just know I love San Clemente, but I also know now being married and having a daughter or two daughters, I will never live in <laughs> San Clemente. Oh, God. That's the thing is I miss it so bad. So, like, I kind of battle this thing right now where I, I work in a field that um, Hollywood is almost impossible for I for it and I to not cross paths again. We must. We must right. do it. We must make the journey back out west. We must be going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. I have to go visit it again. I have to be on the big screen. I'm, I'm trying to be in your living room, Josh. And the only way for me to do that is uh, to kind of embrace it. In regards to moving there, I want to. I want to move back. I want to live somewhere inland, like fuck Santa Ana, you know, something like that. And then just in striking distance of LA. But I need Los Angeles to calm the fuck down just a lot of it like just a lot you know well i mean don't hold your breath <laughs> but in the meantime i'm sure big helens is still open so feel free to oh visit. my god let's go dude <laughs> uh so before we get into all your jokes we're gonna get a little deep here okay uh i know you talked about the racism or feeling being the dark green marine and then getting njp like how did you handle that, those traumatic experiences or any other traumatic experiences you went through? Uh, all differently, I'd say, you know, um, for, for the being the only black Marine part, that was something I knew throughout my entire life. So I've always dealt with that. But the thing is the Marine Corps made it seem like, that didn't exist. The, the, the idea of the military in general makes it seem like that doesn't exist. And that couldn't be further from the truth that we are not all just green. We are 100% not all just green. And, you know, um, I guess I dealt with it the way any, any black man would deal with any type of unfair treatment. 
that he felt like, you know, he was receiving solely based off of his skin color. I had to speak up about it. I had to say something about it. Not necessarily to, like, officers and <clears throat> staff NCOs and snitching on people. Nah, but I'm just telling you to your fucking face, you know? Straight up. Uh, in regards to getting in trouble in those type of situations, I... I almost didn't make it through, you know? I almost didn't get out of that. That was one of those things where, like... Okay. Typically, when a Marine gets out of the Marine Corps, if he gets out with an honorable discharge, he gets out, you've got your health insurance, you've got your GI Bill, your VA benefits, the whole nine yards. Um, And a lot of times, veterans struggle to adapt to civilian society with those benefits on the table. When I got out, I got out with another than honorable discharge. So I got out having served four years to the day where you guys do uh, terminal leave and get out early and shit and clock in all your leave day. I served four years from the time I enlisted to the day I got out. Exactly four years. There was no terminal. And the minute I got out, it was almost like my service never happened. So there was no GI Bill. There was no... VA, there was no medical insurance, no nothing. Um, And that was probably the harder thing to deal with. On Friday, I was in charge of of a platoon of Marines, and then on Monday, I was pushing carts at Costco. Damn. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really adapt very well uh, for the first, like, two years. You know, I was kind of just bouncing around, struggling to pay bills. I was fighting at the time. And, you know, just as well as I do, California is expensive. California is expensive and they don't care if you're an amateur fighter. Uh, As an amateur, you're not being you're not being paid much to fight. So uh, for financial situations, it was best for me to relocate back to Florida and then to Florida. And I found comedy, bro. I think it's just a matter of like, I got to do for some stupid. I'm too dumb to quit. Yeah, I say I'm just too stupid. I've seen I've lost more friends to suicide than I have uh, that I've known in combat. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't ever try to judge them, but I do know that they made a decision to not continue this fight, and I'm just too dumb to quit, man. I think a lot of lesser people would have made that choice. I contemplated it. I still sometimes contemplate it, and. I don't know. We still here, man. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think you're too dumb to quit. But it, I mean, I guess that's what you're trying to use to push yourself through in your comedy, comedy, or your little skit right there. But I know, man. Like, I, I, give yourself credit, bro. You're too strong to quit. Like you're. Yeah, I don't know, George. I can't. I, I'm just. I don't have that in me. I never quit anything. So what the fuck? Yeah, I can't do that now. You know. Right. And like the whole point of this podcast is to try to help. People, uh, I was going to try to say quit doing that, but, you know, try to lower to prevent the suicide rate, you know? So like uh, we were talking earlier and I meant to bring this up, but like your niche now you could do like, uh, well, you also have a podcast here, just a fucking jack of all trades over there, but. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. No, you can't tie me down, bro. Don't try to put me in a box, bro. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. But like, you could like try to like help out other veterans that are struggling, you know, like it doesn't have to be the main thing you do, but like. Or just your comedy alone and the fact that you're a veteran and you've gone through from like 
you went from thinking you had the next 20 years figured out to getting out and being set back to ground zero, basically square one, having nothing, having no insurance, no benefits, no anything. And then you, you fought, you scratched, you grind and now look where you are. Like you're just motivation to other people. Like earlier, before we started recording, you told me that I motivated you a little bit to start your podcast and that. So like, you're going to be in people's living rooms, bro, in more than uh, one way. So you. like, Thank you're going to be man. able to reach more people and help more people. So whenever you're feeling down. And that's a big motivation for why I do it now, um, for why I do this in the way and the level that I do it at is because a lot of times, and you know this as well as I do, the Marine Corps does this thing where they like to try to make you think that you can't be successful without them. They like to try to make you think that you need the Marine Corps, you need all 20 years of it in order to be able to make it outside. Again, I love the Marines, but every time I get up on that stage and every time I get in front of those people and make these people, this room erupt with laughter, it's a middle finger to the Marine Corps. I'm sorry. It is a middle it's an it's a middle finger to the ideology that you that you cannot be successful outside of there. I do this just to show everybody who comes from where we come from, you can not only do that, but you can have it all taken away and then still do some shit. It's man, look, I get emotional about it because it, it, it means a lot to me, but I don't speak about it very often. It's a silent source of motivation, but the dream is to like to do a bunch of USO shows and really just do it for the enlisted guys, you know? That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm your advocate to talk about the command. Like, send me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let me talk shit about them for you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool, bro. Like, I believe in you. You'll reach there. You'll get there. You know, and I just hope that, like, along the way, I don't really do the whole motivational quote thing and speaker thing, although I do, you know, silently use that as a source. I just hope that the work speak for itself. I hope that people look at the the resume and the totality of it, that they're like, okay, well, if he could do it, man, like, what the fuck? I could do something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's two things I want to hit on and they're kind of like one's going back, but like the, that relationship with the Marine Corps is kind of like a narcissist relationship. I don't know if you know too much about narcissists, but like, that's basically what they do. They kick you while you're down and they help you up while saying that you caused that and all that. And I see why the Marine Corps uses that, but it's not always good, especially when you do get out. And then what do you mean? Uh, on what aspect? Why does, why does the Marine Corps use that? They're, they're trying well first of all they're trying to retain you in, through fear right i'm not saying it's a positive thing or a good way that they use it but i can see why they try to use it it's definitely effective yeah and you they yeah. first of all in boot camp we're supposed to be broken down and right. built to the marine corps standard and to believe in the marine corps way and then that way we'll continue on the traditions good or bad and all that and then like it was the old way of retention, you know, like they're trying to scare you into staying opposed to like treat you well where you want to stay. <laughs> it's insane where it's like, Oh my God, is this bad here? But if it's, if it's even worse on the outside, Oh God, you know, you're trying to pick the lesser of two evils. Um, a lot of times people are scared of change and people are afraid to adapt change. Like I think for me, getting out was a scary decision, but here's a problem. You get one chance to write this book on your life, dog. And I knew that the Marine Corps was going to be a chapter on my life. It just, I didn't want it to be the entirety of the book. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like, uh, you said you were 20 years old. What? I think you joined when you were 18. I was, uh, so I enlisted at 17. I was, uh, God. Yep. I was 18 when I went to boot camp. Bro, I joined when I was 23 to 27. So, yeah. Like, yeah so, like, sure. that you have, I do feel like I got more respect from my NCOs and leaders than I probably should have had it to begin with, you know, just because they respect me for my age. But, uh, yeah, dude, I could not imagine, especially right now. I mean, I'm 32 now, but I couldn't imagine going back and having like a little fucking 20 year old yelling at me. Like, get the fuck what? out of here. <laughs> and it's not just like yelling. Josh, I put hands on you too, man. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Allegedly. I, allegedly, you put hands. Allegedly, yeah. And I'd be damned. I'd be damned that before somebody would do that to me. Um, But again, that is the immaturity of it. So, like, the same way you got a lot of respect um, for being older when you joined, I think it was almost vice versa for me. A lot of people thought I was a lot older than I actually was. So I was this kid, but people people would speak to me and we would have these conversations that I, I as a PFC or a Lance Corporal, I have no issue speaking to a colonel, first sergeant, or anybody. I just, I look at people as human beings and I'm going to give you the respect. But in doing so, a lot of times responsibility and things would come to be pushed my way and they're doing it because uh, without even thinking, they know that I can handle the job, but they're not realizing you're giving this job. I don't give a fuck if I'm man enough to join the Marine Corps, man enough to make it to boot camp, all that shit. I don't care. You're giving that job to a kid. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but maturity doesn't matter on age. So I guarantee you there's like those 23, 26 year olds that you were in charge of that you were way more mature of and way more. Couldn't do the job. Yeah. And you had more knowledge. You were just fucking mature, bro. Like people don't even know how to make their beds or flush their toilet before field day. Like what the fuck? A lot of times. So that way of living, like I struggled in being a civilian, like as a kid before I joined, but I excelled at being a Marine. That way of thinking and that thought process, a lot of times people attribute it to like uh, the Marine Corps instilling that in you. I had all that in me before I joined. My dad was born in 1955. You know, he's from a village in Barbados that didn't have any running water. So, like, the thought process of old school customs and traditions, greeting people when you walk into a room, addressing people as sir, man, making your bed every day, discipline, discipline, discipline was long before that. So once we got here and I realized, oh, that's the shit that gets you up, bro. Come on, man. We out of here. This is what we do. Yeah, dude, customs and courtesies goes a long fucking way. Bro, I swear when people step on them yellow footprints, they lose all common yeah. sense. Like yeah. 75% of the fucking Marines lose common sense when they step on them fucking footprints, bro. They lose the ability to be nice to people. Uh, and, and I didn't, I've not realized this until years after getting out. So I don't mean to sound like, oh, I got it all figured out. No, I mean, I'm still trying to work this shit out myself. But I realized, like, you'll get a lot further ahead if you're just kind of not an asshole to people. Right. I, I feel like if you grew up having to respect your your elders, like your older, like my parents, I had to call all of their friends, Mr. or Mrs. and their last name. Like, right. you had to you be politically correct in a sense. You had to be nice and I feel like that's how it should still be, but you can obviously tell the kids that never had to treat uh, an adult as an adult and they got to treat them as like a bro or a friend or whatever, because they struggle. Like they don't know how to like take command, take leadership or anything like that. 
taking initiative is looked at as a sign of like kissing ass or showing respect is a sign is looked at as a sign of sucking dick. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I've been really vulgar on this pod, Josh. Do you need me to not cuss? Bro, first of all, have you heard me talk? Secondly, yeah, and I ain't even really me. I didn't fucking ask beforehand. I just kind of like let it rip. I'm we're really no, there's, far. there's a little explicit <laughs> button I click for every podcast, so like they know, they know. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry, bro. I didn't know if I was gonna like cause you an extra three hours of editing. There's gonna be no, bad. You're, you're all shit. set. You're all good. All right, cool. Thank you, man. Anytime, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. uh you got out, you struggled for a bit, you worked at Costco, then you moved back to Florida. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, absolutely. So I I joined uh <clears throat> I joined the the little Costco fraternity after I got out. And I was realizing that um so I go to work and I I'd be working with people who just got out of high school and shit. Like I said, it was like turning back the clock. It's like the four years that I did didn't happen, but at the same time it did because I'm not normal and everyone around me is. And I'm going crazy in my mind because this is not what uh, I wasn't even fuck the comedy and all this shit I'm doing now. As a man, I knew that that's not what I was put here to be doing. I would go and work and see all these people. Uh, they would either just be like a new hire just getting out of school and figuring shit out or they'd be somebody who was working in these warehouses since 1990 something since they graduated high school and i saw the track so like when you work at costco and things you get you get these benefit programs and stuff like that like they pay you just enough to keep you around they give you the insurance and everything like that but it's like bro i didn't want my neck if i didn't want my next 20 years to be written about being a united states marine I definitely don't want my next 20 years to be written about working at Costco. And I'm not trying to disrespect anybody who does work in grocery stores and things like that. I'm saying for Dylan Walker, that's not what I was put here to do. Right. It just, it was tough. It was tough. I, I had to pay my bills. I had to pay my gym membership. I was fighting at the time. I put all of my cards into fighting. I was going to be UFC champion of the world by the time you and I were having this conversation right now. Like, it was set in stone, and we were on the way. I was training out of Dan Henderson's gym in uh, Temecula, California. Once I got out, most people moved back to their hometown, you know, when they got out of the military. I moved to this random city. I moved from San Clemente to Temecula just for the gym. So I was just living there and training. Um, Again, it's not enough. It's not enough to supplement living there. So we had to move back here. And even when we got here and I'm working this job, I hated it. I hated going there every day. They moved me from like, so I got a promotion. They moved me from pushing carts to now I was flipping rotisserie chickens. So that was my promotion at Costco. So I'd be in charge of, of 32 chickens so like a times four, it's 178 chickens, you know, and that's me. And I'd have to deal with flipping those chickens every single day, come home smelling like raw chicken guts. And that was my life. I, bruh, a bullet to the brain sounded way better to me than one more shift at Costco. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was going to happen after that. I just knew that I wasn't going to do that job anymore. So I quit. I quit that day. Um, I think I, <laughs> I think I had lunch 
And I, bro, I'll be honest, I was so fed up with the job, Josh. I think I had lunch and I never even came back. I left all four of those ovens going and everything. I never came back, bro. Like they lost. You never saw me again. Um, and I just started training. I just started training. I full time dedicated everything to fighting uh, from 2017, from 2018 all the way till 2020. I dedicated everything to fighting. And, you know, uh, I lived, ate, slept, breathed. That's that was it. It was um, it was fun. It was great. I was undefeated for the first time in my life. I was a winner, you know, or fighting or training. Got camaraderie, got friends, got guys who you're going through hard times with, and then you're going into battle with, and then you're doing battle and you're experiencing victory and loss again. And you're getting these same feelings, but at the same time, at what cost? You know, I right. I had already had injuries from the Marine Corps before I started fighting. And so now I'm like, I'm 26, but my body is probably like 47, like like 62, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I kind of, I knew, I know my window in fighting was a lot shorter than most people. I fight with an aggression that I, my style can't last very, very long, unfortunately. And so I got knocked out in sparring um, six days before my first world title fight, uh, showed up to the tournament, got knocked out again in the first round. And uh, that was the last time that I fought just because I had two concussions on top of each other. So I had two concussions in the span of six days. So they suspended me for nine months. And at that point in time, I just decided to start telling some dick jokes, bro. <laughs> I was like, Hell. yeah, it's kind of cool. So all the green weenies ended up working out for you? Hey, bro, you know what I mean? All of them jokes all the time. The people made fun of me. I was like, you know what? I could start. I could do something with this. We could, <laughs> we got something here, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you decided to eat your lunch instead of a bullet. Dude, and uh, then you yeah, started talking that, about dicks, bro. Mm-hmm. I would way rather talk about dicks than like be buried in a ditch right now. So it's like a really good thing. It's a really right. good thing to be here. Dicks right. over ditch any days, right? Dicks over ditch all day, bro. Yo, that's got to be the next one of it's your a t-shirt, your dog. Title, that's the merch. Yo, I get dicks 10%, okay? <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, all right, so uh, you just filmed your first, what's it called? Uh, so I filmed my first network taping, so it's a okay. comedy special uh, showcase, so where like you see on Netflix presents and they have several different comedians do right. uh, 10 minutes or so. Right. So there's a network on Roku television um, on all Roku televisions called LMAO. And they came to Tampa this year and they had a lot of uh, the guys on the lineup were like guys that I look up to or consider, you know, really good, really, really fucking good comedians. And they just had us do a, a showcase here. For myself, I've only been doing comedy for two years. A lot of those guys on the lineup, they've been doing it 10 plus years. And for me, I, it's the same shit with the Marine Corps. Motherfuckers push things on you so fast and they feel like you can handle it. And I'm not going to be the type of person where I'm going to back down from the opportunity ever. So I was very grateful uh, for the op- for the opportunity. Um, as an artist, there are things that I wish I would have done differently, of course, but the reception from everybody who was there in the crowd and everything was nothing but fantastic. They all had a great time. So it's good, man. I can't wait for it to come out. That's good. Do you know when it comes out? 
I don't. I don't know when it comes out. I just shot it last Sunday. I don't know when it comes out yet, but as soon as I find, because they still have to edit it, put it together, and reach out to the network and let them figure out where they want to push it. But I'll definitely be letting everybody know, man. It's exciting. Now, next time, yeah, you get a little fucking little TV credit next to your name now, you know. So it's cool. Yo, let me get an autograph. <laughs> exactly. Let me get forty-five all right. Yeah, there's like people who fucking charge for autographs, dude. And I'm like, um, I'm never gonna be that guy. There's people who charge for pictures, and I'm not ever, ever, ever gonna be that guy. Anyone who wants an autograph will always get one. Anyone who wants a picture will always get one. Because I know what it's like to not for nobody to want anything to do with you. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh how's the popularity treating you? Like is that hard to get used to? I'm Are you in over your head yet? I'm in over my head, Josh. Bro, I, I see the valve on the side of your head. I got to spin to deflate a little bit, but I'll let you, I'll let you feel good. I'll let you feel good. I'm fucking, I'm, um, I'm still getting used to it. It's, it's weird because like a lot of times you, you, you get into this because you want it, right? Like you want to obviously be on a big stage and you want the opportunity to perform in front of millions of people and go on tour and stuff. But then when it starts to happen in the awkward time, so like, if somebody recognizes you at the gym or somebody recognizes you at the bank, the fucking bank, bro. Come on, man. Uh, when you're doing, when you're just out on a date and you're just trying to have dinner with your girl and other girls um, recognize you and they don't care that you're out with your girl and they want their fucking picture right now. Oh, and by the way, they want your girl to take the picture. Like it, it'd be it, it, it's scenarios like that, that I'm still learning how to deal with. Um, because as a human being, it's disrespectful as fuck. But yeah. I'm not just a human being. You didn't sign up for this to be treated, to, to do a normal job. So you're not going to be treated like a normal person. And that's a catch-22 with this whole popularity thing, celebrity thing, whatever you want to call it. So you don't get to fucking complain about it. You asked for this. Like, right. come on, man. I hate when I see, I hate people that, especially celebrities, that start going off on fans in particular just for wanting a picture like these are human beings and for 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 a fan it's super big moment and they don't recognize that it's for you just your one time trying to go out and be a, a normal guy you know yeah i think uh fans gotta take it into consideration you know like first first of all i don't have that problem so i'm not talking from experience i'm talking about being a fan like you gotta dude they are you at the end of the day you still bleed blood you're still a normal fucking person right. like they don't look at you like that, though, bro. They yeah. never, they don't, and I'm selling, because they don't look at me like that right now, and I'm not even a headliner. So imagine when I'm on, you know, a, a headlining scale on a, a global level. <clears throat> they definitely won't see me as a person. The things that they do during these meet and greets, like the way that, look, bro, I don't, what, I understand how women feel when they talk, when they speak about being catcalled and being sexualized all the time and dudes always speaking to them and touching them and shit like that. These meet and greets out here, bro, they wild. And a lot of times comedians don't, they don't look the way that I do. You understand what I'm saying? So for, for a fan, especially on a female sense, I'm not even a person. I'm just a fucking object, dude. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's one of these things where I try to sympathize with people and see where they're coming from while still maintaining my own level of like, you're not just going to touch me, but you know, sounds like a rough life of a pretty boy. 
smile you're the asshole and then if i don't take the picture i'm the asshole like if i show up to the show it's raining outside i'm doing a show here and you know i had to walk from my car to the to the venue but you have the umbrellas it's pouring fucking rain dog and i'm a pretty boy we just got done saying this so now i'm mad that i'm wet my shoes are dirty and i'm upset and i'm trying to walk inside and not be noticed got my head down and shit hoodie on and before i can even get through the door this group of people start screaming my name and she's like Dylan, Dylan. and i was already Josh. I'm through the door, bro. I broke the threshold, but the manager who opened the door heard them calling my name, and I don't know these people, but clearly they know me. And he goes, and this is a moment where I could have chosen to do one of two things: I could have acted like I didn't hear them and keep moving, or I had to turn my soggy, wet ass around and go put on a fake ass smile and go be a man of the people because that's what they want. You know, that's what I chose to do. And they're paying your bills. You might want to be nice to these people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of yeah. course. I get it. So how can people find you? They can find me on Instagram on any social media platform, but uh, mostly on Instagram. It's at Dylan Walker Comedy. Uh, YouTube, at Dylan Walker Comedy on all platforms. I also do a podcast. It's called Walk on Waters Podcast. All platforms as well. It's great times, man. Come check me out. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, We'll wrap it up. You know, I'm sure you're, you got your fucking stuff to do here soon. So, uh, I appreciate the time, Josh. No, thank you so much for having me. I got some dates coming up. If you don't mind, I could just plug those on your show. Go for it, bro. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, coming up in June, June 9th through June 6th through the 9th, I will be up in Palm Harbor Snappers Comedy Club. It's going to be good times. I'm going to be doing some shows out there. So I'm excited. Uh, June 16th through the 18th, I'll be featuring in Port Charlotte. Good times as well. Uh, Laughing Comedy Club will be my first time down there in a little bit. So I got some new material, new jokes to look out for. So I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for supporting. Thanks for coming on. And are all those locations in Florida? So these are all Florida right now. Yeah, I just got off in Florida with Eric D'Alessandro last week. We did a few out-of-state gigs. And right now, I like Florida because there's a lot of stage time to where I can develop a whole new half hour before I take it out on the road again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, sir. Makes sense, man. We'll keep doing you, bro. I'm proud of you. Keep Absolutely, up your good work. Man. Josh, if you ever need anything, man, please don't hesitate to reach out. I consider you a brother and a friend. And I, like I said, I hope to have you as a guest on my podcast, man. If you ever need another guest, I'd love to come back on. I could talk oh, to you forever. Yeah, same goes to you. I'd love to be on your podcast. Just let me know. I'm always here. Never hesitate to reach out. Hell yes, brother. Thank you so much for having me, dude. I will see you soon. Thanks, bro.